Welcome to From Betrayal to Breakthrough. I'm Dr. Debbie Silber, and today's guest is Anna Osborne. Anna Osborne, LMFT, owner of Life Unscripted Counseling and host of Her Life Unscripted podcast, focuses her work on reconnecting couples and inspiring individuals. She works with couples and individuals on improving communication, deepening intimacy, healing from betrayal, and changing negative patterns of disconnection in their love relationships. As a licensed psychotherapist and relationship specialist, Anna provides therapy, relationship workshops, and hosts speaking events that help folks create and grow the love they want. She hosts an annual women's retreat in Laguna Beach, California. You can find more registration information at shineretreatforwomen.com or visit lifeunscriptedcounseling.com for more information on Anna and her work in the Sacramento community. If you've been betrayed and you're even considering rebuilding with the person who hurt you, you're going to want to listen to this episode. I'm talking with Anna Osborne, who works with couples, helping them heal individually so that if they do rebuild, they're both bringing their best and healthiest selves into their next chapter of their relationship. You're going to love this conversation. Okay, everybody, you're really going to love this episode because we're with Anna Osborne and we're going to be talking about healing negative relationship messages. And when you think that healing is not possible, she is going to show you that absolutely it is. So welcome, Anna. Thank you so much, Debbie. I'm excited to be on the podcast. Oh, we're excited to have you. So just give us a brief example of just the types of the types of people you see in your practice on a day to day. Yeah. So I am a relationship therapist. I work primarily with couples and individuals that are working on healing relationships, whether that is relationship with self or relationship with other, but all of my focus, especially the last 10 years have all been in the relationship aspect of therapy and counseling. Mm. And what would you say, if you had to say, what's like the most common thing people come in for? What, what is it? You know, it's really the focus of your podcast. The majority of folks come in because they say they want to work on communication, which is this big old blanket statement. And then once they get through the door, they're really talking about trust and a level of betrayal that has happened in the relationship, whether it has been a, you know, kind of one of the big events that hits a relationship that causes a considerable amount of trauma, or it's that slow erosion of trust over time, kind of that death by a thousand cuts. But Mm -hmm. really when clients come through my door and and start talking, it really has to do with with breakdowns of trust, betrayal, and just all of the the just enormity of um, devastation that comes in its wake. Mm -hmm. And you know, what I hear so often, because I'm working with the betrayed partner, Mm -hmm. what I hear so often is they'll go uh, for counseling. They'll, they'll, they want to work on the relationship, but they don't feel that they're getting the support from, let's say, the, the coach or the therapist where, you know, the, the, if the goal is just to get them, let's say, the, the couple back together again, they're not, but the, the betrayed person doesn't feel that, let's say, the coach or therapist is really honoring their experience or their pain. How do you, how do you work with that? Yeah, I completely agree with that because, you know, if you've got two people coming in that are suffering from a considerable amount of trauma because of the betrayal, you've got to hold a lot of sides for both people. And it can be really, really difficult to do. And I think that we, you know, it's 
this juggling act because you've got such intense trauma for the betrayed partner. So it was such a considerable amount of grief around what they thought they knew and what they're having to really move through in order to look at their new normal. And then you've got a considerable amount of trauma for the betraying partner because the majority of those that I work with, they are having to come to terms with this dual person that they have been in the relationship. And especially when it's so outside of who they think they are in the world, they're, they're, you know, going through their own kind of devastation of, of who that person is that caused and inflicted this pain. Mm. So one, yes, it's, it's very difficult to hold both sides. And when I'm working with folks, my objective is to meet them where they're at. And a lot of clients are not coming in saying, Hey, we, we want to heal this relationship. We're, they're saying we want to heal. And if we're able to heal together, that's great, but we need to be able to have the relationship we both deserve that is that has a vulnerability, that has trust, that has openness. And if we can't achieve that together, we can't settle for anything less. You know, I love that you're saying that because I think when the pressure is just to get the couple back together again, regardless, it's really not serving either of them. And I know yeah. that's the same perspective I take where, you know, my focus is on the betrayed, getting he or she, to their physical, mental, emotional, psychological, spiritual best. And then from that place, whatever happens, happens. Yeah. And I, I love that that you're just, you're working to heal them both. You know what I think would serve the audience so well would be because it's, it's for the most part, the betrayed who's listening to this podcast. Mm-hmm. But since you work with the betrayers, can you sort of get into the mind of the betrayers and share with us what, what, when they are at that place of realizing what they've done, want, wanting to become a better man or woman, you know, right the wrong, what are some things going on on their end? You know, the shame is so intense for the betrayed partner. And it's, it's you know this, right? That when you're working with somebody who's dealing with a considerable amount of shame, they're very, very hard to reach. The shame has swallowed them up. And what's difficult is that in those moments, they're, they're, the betrayed, betraying partner is needing to be present for the betrayed partner. They're needing to hold that space to, to hear their pain, to demonstrate empathy, to demonstrate understanding of how deep that wound goes. And when the betraying partner is, is you know riddled with shame, they almost become unavailable to do that in the room. And what I see play out for the betrayed partner is they feel like they're standing on the edge of the cliff, right? They've just been just rolled over by this huge disclosure discovery and their needing partner to step up and be that, um, that, that soft landing place. And the betraying partner struggles to because of the shame. Um, yeah, I think that's the number one thing. Um, and the second thing is because the mindset is, you know, black and white, right? Here's the good partner. Here's the bad partner, right? They look at, I think as a society, we look at, this is the one that caused the pain. This is one that had the the pain inflicted on them. And as, as we know, although the choices that the betraying partner made are devastating and unfair and all those sorts of things, that life is multi-layered, right? Life is so gray. And because of that kind of social or cultural message that the betraying partner receives, they also feel like they have no voice. 
that they can't speak to the pain that they're in. They can't speak to um, what it's been like for them to come to terms or try to come to terms with who they are that has inflicted this pain. And that's a lot of the work that I do at, at the beginning, individually with the betraying partner. Mm-hmm. And I think because, it's probably yeah. important to, to work individually with them yes. too. Yeah. yeah, because it's not the betrayed partner's responsibility to be that safe landing place for the betraying partner to say, oh, I'm so, like, it's not their place to do that at that moment, right? There's a place in time to be able to be more curious and, and, and open to what the betrayed the betraying partner has um, experienced and and where they're at and to give them a voice. But at the early stages, when you're dealing with just PTSD and basic survival, that's not the place for the betrayed partner to say, okay, I can be warm and empathetic to what my partner has been going through that has led them to this choice. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I I love that you clarified that. And, you know, there are, there are so many, there are just so many layers and so many, so many pieces to this. And I know the listeners also are, they're, they're struggling with, like, let's say they are trying to rebuild with their partner. Have you seen, and, and this way, I, I just want it for the, you know, for their sake, have you seen where you have seen a betrayed, uh, the, the, the partner, the person who did betray, they mm-hmm. have made a complete and total turnaround because I know the betrayed struggles with trust. Right. And they want to make sure that they're putting, if they are going to put their trust in that same person again, who looks the same, you know, that, that it's safe. And yeah. do you see that people can totally and truly, truly change? Yes, I, I can. And I think that that 180, if you will, is really, really scary because for the betrayed partner, they don't know if they can trust it because it's a, it's so great to think that this is different, but it can also feel like, well, how long is this sustainable? Mm-hmm. And so really that's where when I'm working with a couple, we are holding both sides. We're holding the side of here is this, you know, this injury that's so deep that we've got, you know, the arm's about to fall off, right? Like we've got to attend to this thing because this wound is so, so deep. And yet there's also a sprained ankle that we need to get to, right? So it's not the triage, if you will, but it's more of the relationship dynamics that have occurred because the majority of people that I see, if I'm being completely honest, say to me, especially when there's been infidelity or betrayal, they'll say, we needed to be here two years ago. Mm -hmm. And it's not saying that because they weren't there two years ago, it is the, you know, betrayed partner's fault, right? That that's not what it is, but it's saying that there is a way that the relationship has been breaking down that has led to, led to greater vulnerabilities to where the betraying partner made this choice. Mm-hmm. And that is, I, I get, there's a lot packed into that statement, right? Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. There's so much because we're talking about being able to dive into the and triage the huge intense wound and also be able to take enough breath through therapy to step back and go, okay, now what was it like before? And what are some ways that we can actually build trust, rebuild trust through creating a differentness, you know, kind of grieving the loss of that chapter of the relationship and moving into a new chapter that does look different on so many different levels that it feels like there can be this incremental leaning into trust Mm-hmm. And, you know, one thing that I always say is that, you know, the way that we, the way that we build trust or I guess rebuild trust and honestly, the way that we kind of give trust early on in our relationships is I have no reason not to trust you. 
Mm-hmm. Right? Like that's a, we hear that all the time. I have no reason not to trust you. And yet when we really slow down and think about that, I have no reason tr- not to trust you is the equivalent of, I have no reason to trust you. Mm-hmm. Right? Like those, are, those are two sides of the same coin. Mm-hmm. And initially in a relationship, we operate from that model. And when we have been betrayed, we no longer have that luxury. Like that, that is, that is something that has been robbed from us in our relationships. And so really the way to, that we want people to initially build trust in a relationship and the ways that we rebuild is being able to say, okay, I have all these reasons to trust you. Mm -hmm. Is that here is my burden of evidence. Here is the consistency between your words and your actions. Here is when my gut is saying something's off and I check in with you and you're open and you, you open up in a way that allow me to know, yeah, something is off and we're okay. Right? Like all of those things go into rebuilding trust because there has to be that new um, dynamic to the relationship to lean into. And, And I tell clients this, especially early on, is that I'm, I don't want you to lean in and trust this person right now. Like, mm-hmm. that's not a safe thing to do. Like, trust mm-hmm. your gut. If your gut's saying not, don't trust right now, then honor that. I need you to realign to be able to connect and trust your body again when it's giving you fear signals. Well, and that's so important too, because, all, you know, it, there's this dynamic of not trusting the partner, but, you know, we don't even trust ourselves when right? we're betrayed. Because we don't trust anything because we, you know, we say, well, where, I'm a bright man. I'm a bright woman. How did I not have a, a clue about any of this? So the whole trust the, the issue takes a while. And I, I appreciate that you're suggesting to, you know, take that time and, and to help rebuild it. And it's interesting that you said, you know, that couples say to you, well, we should have been here two years ago. But what's also interesting is, Two years ago, they probably weren't willing because they didn't. It was just it's like when you're you know, I tell this story a lot. It's it's the the frog, you know, the, mm-hmm. the frog story. And I don't even know where I heard this, but it's so interesting. It's like when you see if you were to take a frog and put a frog in boiling water, the, well, the frog would jump out because it would say, what the heck am I doing here? This is painful. Right. But if you put a frog in lukewarm water and then you turn it up one degree at a time, eventually the frog would boil to death and would never have any idea of what it's struggling with, sort of a gross story, but you get the idea. And it's the the same thing where if someone were to, you know, two years before that, maybe they weren't happy in the relationship, but they may not have even known that they were really headed for trouble. Yeah. And I think that that is a lot of where the grief work comes into working with betrayal is being able to grieve the loss of how it was supposed to be, right? Or grieving the loss of, or, or being able to come to a place of, oh gosh, peace within the unrest of the what ifs. Because I don't encourage or think it's realistic for people to, we don't let things go, right? I mean, it's not like, you know, frozen and we're just all singing, let it go. And that's realistic. That's not, I really believe that when it comes to this type of work, it's really about supporting and helping people on the path to be able to let lay something down Mm -hmm because it's simply too heavy to be able to carry into the future and the relationship that they deserve. Well, and, and I think it also, what I've seen is it does give you a beautiful opportunity to create something entirely new. I mean, that takes both parties, but you can heal regardless, but whether you heal and rebuild, you, you know, if both parties are on board, it can actually uh, create an entirely new relationship that never would have happened had the old one not crashed and burned. Yeah. Yeah. Sadly. And I think that that is, you know, 
as, as helpers and healers that really our job in those moments is to hold the light for them until they're able to hold it for themselves. Because those, those early days, weeks, months are so filled with so much darkness and, and devastation that they're not able to see that there's anything but this pain. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean holding the light for their relationship and saying at all costs will heal this. It's holding the light for them until they're able to see more, more clearly of the path that they need to lean into. And I think that that, what you're saying is we do see folks heal. We do see folks overcome and however they define that. Mm-hmm. And, and man, is it a struggle when they're in just those very, very early parts of the healing to be able to even wrap their mind around that this is not going to be, you know, the last thing they think of before they fall asleep and the first thing they think of when they wake up. Sure. And, and Anna, what I'd love you to do is if you can give us what, what do you need to see? What does the betray, what qualities and characteristics does the betrayed person and the person, the, the betrayed partner, what do they need to, to do? What qualities do they need to have uh, in order to even consider rebuilding? I think that they, most importantly, there has to be a willingness on both sides. Mm -hmm. And that is a lot of times the very, very early, right after discovery, right after disclosure, there will be a, I'm so sorry, whatever it's going to take, I'll do it. Sort of, you know, we hear a lot of that. And what that has to, again, we're talking about rebuilding trust, right? There's got to be consistency between words and actions. And if it's all the words and none of the actions, then that can be very, that can be re-traumatizing for the betrayed partner. So you've got to be all in and it's all in around, I'm going to throw everything at this to be able to heal Mm-hmm. And and we'll define what healing looks like as the journey progresses. So one, it's being open and all into doing this work, right? Mm-hmm. The other is being able to hold a space. And what I mean that from that kind of in a therapeutic way is to be able to be present mm-hmm. to the other person's pain. Mm-hmm. And this is where shame gets really, really tricky because a lot of times when the betrayed partner is is needing to to purge out the the depths of their pain. It can swallow the other person up in shame, and so a lot of the work that I do is helping that betraying partner really be present in the room, mm-hmm. and 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 hear the pain, observe it, be impacted by by it, but not let it swallow them up whole. That they then are unavailable to partner. Yeah, but, and, and and so in that, how do you how do you know? And how were you able to tell? And how is the betrayed person who's sitting there with you, how do they know if that person is truly being present or just they're like, oh, I just have to do this or, you know, this or, you know, she's forcing me or he's forcing me to go to therapy. How do you how can you tell the difference when they're sitting with you? Well, I mean, I, I I'm, I'm human. Right. And so I can be fooled. I'm not a therapist that says, oh my gosh, my clients never pull one over on me, right? Like that's, that's, I don't, I don't subscribe to that. Of course I'm human. I miss things. But I think that a lot of the work that I have done to be able to be a helper healer is to be able to trust myself and put words to it. And so when I feel something and I tell my clients this, I love working with implementers because if I'm feeling something in the room, I'm going to call it out and say, hey, 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 something feels off to me. What's going on here? Are you you know, when you work with couples, they've got a whole language that you're not privy to. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, there's times that I'm going, okay, I'm, I'm on the outside right now. 
bring me in because something feels off. And so, but regardless of that, I want that happening within the couple. I want, especially for the betrayed partner, for them be, to be able to connect with their body and put words to something feels off or this doesn't feel right or this doesn't feel okay. And they don't need to be sophisticated words. They can simply be, hey, this feels off. So that they can start being able to put a voice to those, those feelings, those physical sensations that they have been stuffing down or not wanting to pay attention to or paying attention to, but partner's been denying them, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So really a, a huge part of it is, is the body work, is when, where do you as a person hold discomfort? Where do you he- hold fear? Where do you hold um, confusion? Like some of those feelings. And so I'll do, have them do body scans and body work to know when they, where they're, they hold that. So if they're sitting in the room or they're sitting in conversation with partner and those parts of their body start to get activated, meaning there's tension, there's discomfort, there's, there's a temperature, there's some sensation, they're able to go, hang on a second, like, my gut's screaming to me right now, or my, my, my jaws clenched, my shoulders are up to my earlobes. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's something that's off here and being able to check in with their environment. Um, so really it's being able to use that, that body awareness to be able to help them raise those questions or raise those doubts. And also being able to tolerate the discomfort that comes with anxiety around hey, I I want to believe you or I want to feel that you're sincere. And right now that's too big to do, but I can at least put words to it and let you know that this isn't a new accusation or a new, you know, kind of that old pattern that folks Mm -hmm. get stuck in um, where they say, hey, something's off and partner says, why are you accusing me? Nothing's going on. And then Mm -hmm. a year later, something comes out. But really then being able to, to, say, I'm, I'm feeling this. I don't know what it is. I need some time to kind of process through it because the anxiety is so high. So really it's the, it's the work with the body and it's the work with um, being able to have a voice when things feel off so that they can start aligning with what's real and what's not. And, and it's so important because the body is speaking to us all the time, giving us so many messages if we'd only pay attention. And that brings me to the idea of time. And this happens all the time where someone is And this is on both sides where, let's say, the betrayed is hanging on to this and bringing it up over and over again as a way to sort of reestablish power, reestablish, you know, whatever. And the the betrayer, you know, the other person is sort of saying, hey, you know, get over it already. How do you negotiate that time I would say that the well, two things about time. One thing, especially and this is this statement is to help normalize and and honestly to create a level of hopefulness for your listeners. So I want them to hear that through that lens. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But really the the first year after a betrayal is or after the discovery or disclosure of a betrayal is particularly difficult because it is for the betrayed partner they're flashing back to, you know, a year ago today or a year ago what on this weekend or a year ago on this anniversary, whatever it was of when they thought everything was different. And now they know that it wasn't. Mm-hmm. So that mm-hmm. first year is flashing back to basically them being lied to and, and just that visceral reaction that happens. And then what I find from that year point forward is the comparison of the flashback usually for people when they've been working on this is now they're flashing back to, wow, a year ago, 
things were this bad and and look at how we've healed. And again, that doesn't mean together. It means healed, right? However they've defined it. Mm -hmm. And that can give them a level of perspective because when they're so deep in it, they, they will look at me and say, I don't know how it's possible to not think about this every single day, mm -hmm. every single moment. And so that's time-wise, that's one big thing I see. And the other, this, the question you're asking around time and the, the bringing back up or the bringing back up, typically I find that when folks don't have the tools to know how to talk about this, because usually they're talking about it or they bring it back up because they've been triggered. Mm -hmm. That's usually what's been hap what happened. And so if they don't have the awareness of what it, it feels like emotionally and physically to have a trigger, they don't know the tools to be able to manage a trigger, and they also don't have the tools of how to communicate a trigger to partner, then typically it will get brought up over and over. Or the other time that I usually see it is it's getting brought up over and over because it's not being heard. Mm -hmm. Right. It's, it's not being talked about in a way that's grounding. It's talked about in that, um, that more elevated, uh, not so vulnerable, more intense kind of secondary communication, secondary emotion than the, I'm having pain. I need you to hear it. I need you to come close and hold space for it. Mm -hmm. So those are typically the two ways that I see kind of what triggers it to get brought up over and over and over again. Mm. And what I hear a lot too is that they're, let's say the betrayed person is bringing up, bringing it up because just for like what you said, they don't feel heard or understood or that the, their partner is truly uh, experiencing any empathy towards right. what they're, or towards remorse. what they're, yeah, or remorse. And it's almost like a way of, they, they need to see it, feel it, hear it so that they can feel comfortable enough doing, you know, continuing to do the work on their end. Yeah, absolutely. And that, you know, I think for the betraying partner, it can be really difficult for them to grasp of what do you mean? I haven't heard this. What do you mean? I haven't listened. Like this has been coming at me every day for months and mm -hmm. it always gets, you know, it's been years and it still gets brought up during fights. What do you mean? I haven't heard it. And so really it's being able to give, the language and also really the understanding of what it means to hear somebody, um, what, and that, that that's an emotional experience to lean in and deeply hear somebody. And so that, that's that kind of psychoeducation, if you will, is really, really important for the betraying partner to even understand how they've attempted and yet fallen short of what that relational need is. Mm. And, you know, and I give, I give visuals a lot. And, and this one is, and I've said this before, this is sort of like someone at the top of the mountain saying, Hey, come on up already. And what you want is that person to go down there, you know, yes. at the, you know, at the bottom with you and say, Hey, let me help you up. And, Perfect. I love that. Yes. And that's sort of the difference. What do you want to make sure everyone knows before we wrap up? I really want everybody to know that, that healing is possible and that, healing is, it has to be defined by us. There are so many people when you are going through this that love you and they're devastated for you and they want to help. And sometimes the way they help, <laughs> right, air quotes, <laughs> is by telling you what you should do, telling you how to do it, telling you, you know, all sorts of advice and opinions. And part of the healing process is to create enough stillness around to know what you need healing to look like. And that is a day by day journey is that, you know, I think it's Glenn Doyle Melton that says, you know, what's the next right thing. 
that when we are in the depths of pain, the depths of trauma, the depths of despair, we really need to be present enough to go, okay, right now in this moment, what's the next right thing? Is that a glass of water, right? Is that, is that breathing for 30 seconds? Like what's the next right thing? Because when we're in the throes of trauma, we look 20 steps ahead because we're so overwhelmed. And, and yet because we are in survival mode, we need it to be moment to moment. So what looks like healing today may not look like what it looks like tomorrow, but as long as you're being present to what your need is right now, that's okay. Mm -hmm. And I so love, I can't tell you how much I love that you brought that up about other, you know, other people suggesting what you should do or how you should feel. And I, and I, you know, I always say it's, it's coming through their lens. Like, let's say it's a dear friend. They don't want to see you in pain or it's, let's say your, your mother-in-law who of course wants things to get better because she doesn't want to worry about the two of you, whatever it is. And whatever the instance is, or, or a a family member, a friend, it doesn't even matter. It's coming from their perspective, but sometimes, you know, it's, it's, yes, it's well-meaning, but we really have to decide what do we need at that very moment. That's a really important distinction. I'm so glad you brought that up. So yeah, that's wonderful. So Anna, where do we learn more about you? Where do we go? Yeah. So my practice is based in Sacramento, California. I'm on the West coast and my uh, therapy practice is called life unscripted counseling, which, you know, kind of obviously fits for the work that I do. Mm -hmm. And I encourage folks to go over there. I've got different online resources and they can just learn more about my work. And really, even if they're kind of throughout the country and throughout the world to be able to stay connected through just the different information and resources that I offer through my blog and through, you know, kind of my, my video series and those sorts of things. And really, I also want to invite them personally. I know you had the opportunity to interview Mari Lee, who is Mm -hmm. a dear friend, and Mm -hmm. she is my co-host for the Shine Retreat for Women that we host. This is our second year hosting it in Laguna Beach in September. And it's a beautiful event for women to really come and do a lot of healing work and and restoration and really learn to be able to lean back into fun because that is something that I think, especially when you're going through this sort of trauma and this sort of healing work is just, uh, it's, it's not even in the realm of possibilities. And so it's really, fun. What a concept. <laughs> right. I know. Right. And being able to know that, 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 because we can't have fun when we're not safe. Mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. you cannot have fun when you are in the depths of trauma. And when you are doing healing work, sometimes it's being able to learn how to be able to do that again and reconnect with others in a lighter way. And this retreat is, it's such a beautiful event. It always just comes together in such a really, really organic and yet intentional way. We keep it to 40 women. So it is very small and intimate, but also big enough that if you want to get lost in the crowd, you're able to. Mm -hmm. And I do want to, you know, just offer to all of your listeners, if they are feeling called to check this event out, that uh, Mari and myself would love to offer them a $50 discount off the registration fee. So they can go over to shineretreatforwomen.com, check that out. And also email Mari and myself to get that discount code, all the contact infos on that website. That is so wonderful. And, and the two of you are such gifted here. Healers and anybody listening who is struggling, and I know you must be because you wouldn't be listening. Uh, that's what the show is all about. There, healing is possible. Healing yeah. is so possible. Is it possible to to rebuild after betrayal? It is. Uh, it takes a ton of work. You know, I've done it. So, it, but 
there and there are wonderful, wonderful people who can help you. And um, and Anna is one of them. So I'm I'm grateful for you sharing your wisdom with us today and everybody take advantage of this beautiful opportunity. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Debbie. I enjoyed it. I loved so many things Anna shared and there were some great suggestions for both the betrayed and the betrayed partners. Stay in touch with Anna by going to lifeunscriptedcounseling.com and take her up on her offer of that $50 discount if you go to shineretreatforwomen.com. Don't worry, we'll have all of her information in the show notes at pbtinstitute.com forward slash podcast. Here's my biggest takeaway. Some of Anna's truth bombs that really made sense for me were finding peace within the what ifs. It's such an unsettling time after discovering a betrayal and finding peace is a great first step so that you can start doing the work to heal. For the betrayer, be present to their pain. When you're stuck in shame, you can't be available to the person you hurt and they need to know you understand the pain your actions have caused. Finally, Be constant with your words and actions. If you're saying one thing and doing another, it's unlikely you'll heal because the person who you hurt needs to rebuild trust and that happens through consistent action. Only the two of you will know if the relationship is worth rebuilding. But when both parties are willing to do the work, you have your best shot possible. Now, this is all hard work, so let me give you a present. Head over to pbtinstitute.com and receive my gift of How Your Biggest Crisis Reveals Your Greatest Gift. And let us support you. Go to Facebook and join our group, Women Hacking Betrayal, where we give information, tools, and support to help you move forward and heal once and for all. Can't wait to be with you next time. And here's to your breakthrough. Breakthrough.